Let's stand open our Bibles to Jonah chapter 4. I know yesterday, let's all stand together. I know yesterday, Brother Lapina preached on Jonah. I spoke with him last night. I said, Preacher, I think we're going to use that as a base for the message tomorrow. And to go in any other direction, I know it would be disobedience to the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, so we will stay right here in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 4. Thank you, young people, for uh, paying attention to the decisions that you've made. I hope you'll take the next few minutes and stay focused. Jonah 4 verse 9. God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. What a strange statement. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. Should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you this morning for the decisions that have already been made today. And Father, there are some here that they know they have some friendships that are just devastating their lives. God, I pray today, truly, that be an ending point for that friendship. It'd be a new step in the right direction. The decision that they just made would be lasting, permanent. And God, you to help us once again. We want to hear from your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Young people, we talk about Jonah. What a negative connotation. How many of you would like to be a Jonah? No one here. Isn't it amazing that the prodigal son even has a few positive messages preached about his life? Even Samson, David, men with great mistakes. Now let me ask you this. Why would the greatest revivalist of any generation, we talk about men of the past, missionaries, Billy Sunday, Lee Robertson, Jack Howells, we talk about these men, but no one had a revival in a city with hundreds of thousands of people repenting and the king making even the cows, the dogs, the hogs, and the frogs fast and proud to God. This was an incredible revival, and yet we have nothing pleasant or good to say about Jonah. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to chapter 1, because preacher yesterday talked about chapter 1, the sleeper arise, O sleeper, and we want to kind of dissect the life of Jonah for just a moment and find out why Jonah was a Jonah so that you can avoid being a Jonah. Look what it says, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Let's talk about Jonah for a minute and his divine calling. Young people, superficially, here was a man that was saved and sold out and separated and solid and called to God with a privileged calling. In a time when the rest of the world knew very little about God or the Word of God, the Word of God had not just come to the nation of Israel, but it had come to Jonah's house, his doorstep. And young people, we're talking about a privileged calling. I don't want to stay here long, but I, I really doubt, preacher, that the people here have, have matured enough to understand the privilege that they've had, that not just the gospel has come to your door or your neighborhood, it, it has come to your heart. You've heard the gospel over and over and over again. You were raised in a godly home. You have a great church. You have a completed Bible in your language. You're sitting in a great conference. You have a youth pastor that loves you. If people that have helped you finance this trip to be here, you're privileged. 
I hope you understand how privileged you are. It was a personal calling. It came to Jonah. And young people, here's what I need you to understand this morning. We're talking about go boldly. You have a personal calling on your life. There's no one here that is the exception. Every single one here. I want you to raise your hand for just a minute. Everyone in here, let's raise your hand quickly. Raise your hand. Did you know that everyone in here raising their hand, you have the calling of God in your life? You can put your hands down. You have the calling of God to preach. I'm not talking about pastoring or standing behind a pulpit. I'm talking about preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a Nineveh. Let's do this. Some of you have already fallen asleep. Let's have everyone stand. Everyone stand. And you're going to shout out with me these words. I have a Nineveh. Ready? One, two, three. I have a Nineveh. Now, let's say that a little bit more heartfelt. I have a Nineveh. Turn to someone next to you, point your finger, and say, you have a Nineveh. Look him in the face. Look him in the eyeball. Get really sincere. You have a Nineveh. Now hold on for a second. One more, one more statement. Everybody's attention here. One more statement. I want you to tell them this, or ask them this. Who have you won in your Nineveh? Ask him. Look at him and ask him, who have you won in your Nineveh? Now, hold on for a second, young people. Now that you've been asked the question, I want everyone here to actually respond. Respond. Who have you won? Tell them. Can you tell anyone? Can you, can you give a number? Can you give a person? Can you give a name? Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. You can be seated. Everyone, if I can get your attention back up here. Now, let me ask you this. If you couldn't name a person, if you couldn't name anyone, you're a Jonah. You're running just like Jonah. God has given you a Nineveh. Wherever you're at, the school, the neighborhood, the family that you're in, the relatives, the places where you shop, that right now is your Nineveh. Your Nineveh will get larger in life, and especially as you surrender to do God's will. But for right now, wherever you're living, the people that you're around, that is your Nineveh. That is your personal calling. And most young people are running like Jonah from that calling. Now, let me, let me say this, young people. When we talk about running for their calling, it, what happens, verse 2, the word of the Lord comes, and what's it say? It says, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and do what? Cry against. That's a disturbing command. Cry against their wickedness. Brother Brown, you like to do that. There's a lot of wickedness. I hate wickedness. I want to stand against wickedness, but I don't just enjoy crying against it. People usually don't respond well to that. And young people, you have to understand something about Nineveh. We're talking about the most barbaric nation on the earth at that moment. There's all kinds of stories. I won't give you the stories. When they would conquer a foe, they'd often build pyramids with the heads of the people that they killed so that those passed by would understand this is what we do to our enemies. There were times they'd take a huge stake and impel a person, starting to hit his pelvis, run it through his body, have it come out his neck, chest, or head. In excruciating pain, that person would die. They're barbaric. Now let me ask you this. There's a good reason Jonah was running. He didn't think the response was going to be good. He said, these people would probably do me harm if I went there and preached the gospel to them. You know why the majority of young people are silent, not doing God's will, not reaching the lost? There is a fear that's been spoken about this week, an apprehension 
in being a bold witness. And young people, we're in the United States of America. Uh, preacher, the worst thing I have suffered in 30 years of preaching the gospel, uh, I, I speak to, to a lot of Hispanic people. I've often been fed tamales and hot sauce and Mexican food at midnight, and I had heartburn at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's the worst thing I've ever suffered for the cause of Christ. I'm going to hate meeting Paul in heaven, and he asked me, so uh, what did you suffer for Jesus? Tamales and hot sauce and heartburn. Young people, most of us not suffered on any level, but the, the command was disturbing. Here's what happens. We come to the house of God. We love conferences. We enjoy this type of thing. We get all excited, but at some point, you've got to leave these four walls, and you are commanded, you individually are commanded to arise and go and cry against their wickedness, and not very many people are doing that. Yeah. Too often, we're living just like a Jonah. And it, it sometimes is hard to have compassion. When you look at the world, this wicked, this vile, this evil, can't even figure out what gender they are. Tattoos on their juggler vein. Facial piercings out of their eyelids. And here's what we normally do, exactly what Jonah did, verse 3. But Jonah rose up to what? To flee. There's a delayed compliance here. He's going to run. I like what preacher said yesterday. What are you running to? Or what are you running from that you should be running to? He is running from the what? The end of verse says, the presence of God. Now here's what amazes me. What Jonah's going to do to keep from having to be a witness. He says, I would rather suffer a storm. I would rather go to the bottom of the ocean. I would rather drown. I would rather be swallowed by a well. I would rather suffer hell. I'd rather suffer anything than be a witness. And you get young people do anything. But to be a consistent witness, they'd rather go to the bottom of the sea. Swallowed by a well. And drown to death. Normally, he's going to run... We're talking about, he was commanded to go to Nineveh, 500 miles away. He's going to run towards Joppa. Now, Nineveh was five, 500 miles. It's a long trip, but Joppa is 2,500 miles away. Yeah. It amazes me how far kids want to run from God to avoid doing his will. Now, once again, we talk about running from his will. We're not talking about doing drugs. We're not talking prostitution. We're talking just being a closet Christian, just being quiet. Not being, you know what Satan's will is for your life? Just be quiet. Don't reach anyone. Don't win anyone. Don't tell anyone. He is running from the presence of God. But you know how many people, our teenagers, are running from the presence of God? You know what the presence of God, young people, is? Some of you are running from the presence of God in the auditorium. You'll even come to the altar and run from the presence. You're not going to deal with the sin God wants you to deal with. You're not going to deal with the pornography. You're not going to deal with the wrong relationship. You're not going to deal with your rebellion. You're not going to deal with the things that your eyes are constantly focused on, your mind is meditating on, but you walk in altar and give an appearance, and we are fleeing from the presence of God. Now, here's what happens, young people. If, if God is seen in your life, then you're going to have to talk to someone about God. Here's why young people want to look like the world and act like the world. Here's why young people, when they go to the mall, they're going to hike their dress up, make sure they're wearing their tightest skirt, flip their hair around, and it look at least semi-like the world so they can blend in and run from the presence of God. You can't run from the presence of God. Now, here's what's amazing. He ran for a little while so well from the presence of God. Look at when they got in the middle of the storm. Look at the questions they're going to ask him in verse 8. 
Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, whose cause this evil has come upon us? What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? And what is thy country? What people art thou? He had hid his God and Christianity so well that they didn't even know he was a preacher. They didn't even know he was a Jew. They didn't even know he was a Christian. Let me ask you this, young people. How many people around you don't even know you're a Christian? How many people in your neighborhood, how many people where you shop, how many people in your school, how many of you uh, have friends that are close by? I remember years ago I worked in a hotel when I first went to Bible college. We were there in the night shift, four or five people, the lady behind the desk. Uh, I would often pass by, never really had any extended conversation with her. After I worked there for about three months, she didn't show up. I asked about her. They said she had a brain aneurysm. She was 28 years of age. She'll be okay. She didn't come back to work. Ten days later, she was dead. And the Holy Spirit of God smote my heart. And he said, you're studying to be a preacher. And you never gave Rachel a track. You never spoke one time to her about the God. That woman didn't even know you were a Christian. You know what I did, young people, at that moment? I said, the rest of my life, I never want to have another single soul in my proximity that doesn't know that I'm a child of God. Otherwise, I am facilitating a life as a Jonah. And young people, a witness has never been easier. Let me ask you this. How many think Jonah had a Bible? He was told to go preach. He didn't have a Bible, a completed Bible. He didn't have a tracks. He didn't have a church to invite them to. He didn't have a radio ministry. He didn't have a TV. He doesn't have Team Nineveh. I mean, we talk about being a witness. You can, you can go back. He couldn't just leave a track on the door. He didn't have a track. He couldn't preach it by way of radio. They didn't have radio. Young people, we have everything in our favor to be a witness, and yet we're finding ways to be a Jonah. I remember when I was your age, and God began to work in my heart. I heard Jack House preach the four calls of soul, and God really worked in my heart. And I was determined to be a witness, but my problem was I was very timid. But I read the book of Acts, Acts 4, where it talks about boldness, and they prayed for the Spirit's filling, and boldness, and God did them that favor. And I began to pray, oh God, please make me bold. Uh, at 12, 13 years old, I, I didn't want to talk to anybody, let alone a total stranger about the Lord Jesus Christ. I begin to surround myself with bold people in the church. I still do that. Last year when we went to Malawi with, with Dr. Williams, 16-hour flight, and I woke up about four hours in the flight, and Dr. Williams was person by person waking them up and telling them the gospel. He got to our row. I was next to the wall. My brother was next to me, and there was a stranger next to him. We all, as soon as we sat down, it was the middle of the night, we went to sleep. I said, I have 16 hours. I'll talk to this man at some point uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ, but I hadn't spoken to him yet. And Dr. Williams walked over, and he woke him up, and he said, Sir, sir, I want to tell you about Jesus. He said, Do you know the two guys sitting next to you are preachers? He said, No, I didn't know that. He said, Have they spoken to you about the gospel yet? He said, absolutely not. And then he looked over at me. He said, Brother Thompson, what's your problem? You've been on this flight for four hours. Now I smiled. I love that, preacher. I love that. That doesn't intimidate me. That, that helps me become a better person to say, why did I wait four hours? My plan was I have 16 hours to witness to him, but I had wasted four hours in taking advantage, and it took a, an 88-year-old preacher from a different section of the plane saying, I refuse to spend 10 minutes as a Jonah. Amen. Now, here's my question, young people. How many chapters are going to be written about your life before you surrender, submit to the will of God, and actually become a bold 
witness. What chapter are you on? The word of God, look what it says in chapter 3, the word of the Lord came into Jonah a second time. Now the word of the Lord hasn't come to you a second time. You've been born and raised in church. It's come a third time, a tenth time, a twenty-eighth time, a thirty-eighth time. And God is still insisting. You ought to cry out, young people. You ought to cry out, oh God, use me. Use me, oh God. Use me, please. Everyone else is praying for you. I don't understand this. Your parents are probably praying for you. Your youth pastor is praying for you. Your pastor is praying for you. Men of God that don't even know you personally are praying for you. You ought to pray for yourself. Amen. You ought to get on your face and say, if everybody else is praying for me, I'm going to pray for me and ask God to do something in my heart and use me. Amen. I don't want to be a Jonah. Now look what it says in chapter 3. So we know the story. He swallowed by a well. He spit out. And now the word of God comes into him in verse 2. And says, right, go to Nineveh, that great city, preach under the preaching that I bid thee, and what's he do? Verse 4, he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Young people, we see the urgency. Now here's what happens when it comes to boldness. I, it, it scares me how few people understand the urgency when it comes to the gospel. I don't believe that we're going to make it through your lifetime without seeing the rapture or the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Young people, you don't know how long you have to live. If we don't get a little bit of urgency and say, I, I may have a year, I may have a month, I may have 10 years, but whatever the case, I'm going to use every single day of my life on fire, urgent, as if this were my last day. And he's walking around with an urgency saying, 40 days, oh God, help us get urgent. If you could see, young people, the simplicity, you might be a better witness. Here's what God told him. Jonah, you have such a bad attitude, I don't even trust you. I don't want you to form your own, and I don't want you to preach your own message. I want you to preach these words, the words I command. You know what Jonah's message was? 40 days, and this city's going to be overthrown. Can you imagine Jonah walking around the city bad attitude? 40 days, y'all going to burn. 40 days, it's over. But there was never a good spirit in this man at all. But he simply preached a message. Young people, I don't know, I don't know how many have said, I don't know how to witness a soul. You need to learn how to witness a soul. But whatever the case, you know, I won my first soul. I grew up in Rifle, Colorado, a town of 1,500 at the time. We lived two blocks from the main street, the main square, and uh, I, our church didn't really sow when we hadn't been taught sowing. I had tracks in my pocket. I'd go downtown as a 12-year-old. I'd hand out a track, and I'd ask every person I handed a track to, I'd say, have you been saved? Would you like to get saved? you'd like to get born again? And I'd hear, no, no, no. Would you like to get born again? No, no. I passed out tracks for weeks. I don't know how long. And one day I passed out track to a cowboy. I said, would you like to get saved? He said, yes, I would. I didn't know what to do, preacher. I had no clue. No one had told me what to do when someone said yes. There was a park bench there. I sat him down on the park bench. I read through the track. I said, you need to get born again. You need to cry out to God for mercy. You're a sinner. You're condemned to hell. And there was a prayer on the backside of that track. And I said, would you like to pray this, pray this prayer? Ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. He said, I certainly would. And he did. Amen. And when I went home that night, my sister said, yeah, yeah, whatever. He came to church the next day. Amen. Young people, I can't tell you the excitement that was in my heart. I was a clueless 12-year-old saying, I won't be a Jonah. Amen. I refuse to run. Now, when Jonah finally obeyed, what happens? What happens in chapter 3? The whole city. I can't admit this is a preacher's dream. The whole city. 
Hundreds of thousands of people. I'm talking about soccer stars and the young and the, 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 the little children and the old women and the owners of the bars and the prostitutes. Everyone, they're crying out to God, repenting of their sin. And Jonah, let me just say this, kids. The, the problem when it comes to the Great Commission has never been the hardness of the heathen. Never. It's always been the hardness of the Christian. Now look at, look at Jonah's response. And we're right here to the, me the message, just a few minutes, but here's the response. It, verse 1, chapter 4, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. What's it? The revival, the response of the people. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around this. Jonah is angry. He's, he's, he's like a two-year-old throwing a fit. He's shaking his fist at God. He's mad. I, I didn't expect this. He is one hard cookie. Young people, he, he had gone through a storm, swallowed by a whale. Uh, chapter 2 says he tasted hell. I, I, I don't know what that means. I'll let you guys discuss those uh, things. But here's what happens. We've all been given a taste of hell. Luke 16, we know the fires. We know the torment. We know what people are going to suffer. And I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, if, if a Christian could only taste hell, they'd be a bolder witness. I don't believe that's the case. Hard-hearted Christian just is hard-hearted. Nothing is going to move him. Now, let me ask you, young people, I would say the majority of Christians, you say, Pastor, be a positive voice. All these preachers here are a positive voice. I'm going to be the lone negative voice. I believe the majority of young people find themselves, in this case, unmoved, where Monday they'll go home and once again become a closet Christian. I'm in the business of trying to anger people if it means... We can get you to see a lost world out there in the need of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. He is angry at what God is doing. Look what it says in verse 6. So Jonah went out of the city. He sat on the east side. And there he made himself a booth. He sat under it in the shadow to him. I see what become of the city. He just sat and said, I'm going to sit and watch the world go to hell, be destroyed. And that's the average Christian sitting. Yeah. And then I'm just going to watch the world go. I'm going to watch from my business. I'm going to watch from my house. I'm going to watch from my church door. I'm going to watch the world go to hell. Now, hold on for a second. This angry man's going to get happy for just a minute. Look what it says. The Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was what? What's it say? Everybody say it together. What's it say? So he was exceeding mad that people got saved, and he's exceeding glad for, uh... You know what we have in our church? You know what we have here today? You get emotional over a gourd. Your team just won 10,000. You'll stand and scream and act like an idiot. But you won't pass out a trap because it makes you look like an idiot. A gourd, we're talking about Nike shoes, and they're all ugly. Are these Currys or Jordans? They're gourds. You have Crocs with gibbets. Yeah. And preacher says that's a gourd. Right. I, I mean, we get kids, they're all passionate because I think Popeye's chicken sandwich, no way, it's Chick-fil-A. No way, it's Raising Cane's. <laughs> and they will get fanatical over a chicken. That's a gourd. Yeah. The only thing that makes teens emotional in these days or whatever gourd floats their boat. Yeah. Call of duty. Right. Sports. Right. Right. They can tell you every stat about that quarterback. Right. 
shooting percentage, amount of points, rebounds by LeBron James. Can't quote a single Bible verse out of Romans to win some of the Christ. Excited about, that's Jonah. This is God's man. This is young people. Young people, let me help you out. We have more Jonas in us and more Jonas in here than we could possibly imagine. Running from the Great Commission. In, why do we have 8 billion people that are unreached? It's not like a Christians. It's the multitude of Jonas in the Christian. Now, here's what God wants to do. God wants to bring us to a point where we have his heart. Now look what it says, young people, go with me to chapter 4, verse 9, and we're almost done. God said our text, do us sound well to be angry. Young people, I would dare say, you've showed some emotions over the past few weeks. Very doubtful it was over the souls of men. If you cry to rejoice, most likely it was over a gourd. Now, here's what happens. How many of you have ever read this short little book and thought, what a weird way to end? So God asked him a question. Why did you get angry with the gourd? You had pity on the gourd, which thou hast not labored, and should not I, verse 11, spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand. He said there are 6,000 people here that are either babies, have dementia, Alzheimer's, they're mentally slow, or they're teenagers. They don't know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. If there's 60,000 of those, there's hundreds of thousands of people in this city. And God said, Jonah, I want to ask you a question. You got all happy for a gourd, and then you got all mad. You never got happy for a soul or mad that they were going to be thrown into hell. You got a problem. Now, young people, I said all that is introduction to say my message. This is my message. Can I get your attention? Young people, you can make a lot of decisions during this week, and a lot of times not much will change. You know the root problem? It's called the heart of God. Do you have it? How long have you been in church? And when will you get it? Because you can have rules. You can have a great youth leader. You can have songs. You can have youth conferences. But until you get the heart of God, you have nothing. So here's my question. God ends the story with this question. What are you crying over and what are you laughing over? And why don't you learn to cry over what I cry over and laugh over what I laugh over? And then he ends the chapter. And we have no idea about chapter 5 because it wasn't written in Scripture. Now, young people, you just sat in a conference and you've been encouraged and the theme was go boldly. But you know what you're going to do tomorrow when you leave this property? You're writing chapter 5. Don't tell me about chapter 2. So you messed up and you got hurt and someone hurt you and you've been angry. And, and you did this wrong and you had the wrong relationship. That, that was chapter 1. That was chapter 2. I'm asking you, when you go home and you write chapter 5, what are you writing in chapter 5? 
Don't tell me about chapter. Chapter 1 was sick and chapter 2 was sick and chapter 3 was sick. Tell me about chapter 5. Young people, what are you going to write? And let me ask you this we're talking about today. God's plan is so much bigger and so much better than our plan. Think about what was God's plan for Jonah? Do you think Jonah actually, he would have never, he, he would have never run if he, if, if he would have known God was just going to do this kind of miracle. God has an amazing plan for you. How stupid is it to run a single day? But here's why we do it. We don't have God's mind. When you get God's mind, you're not going to resist the mission field. You're not going to resist. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to be bold in your school. You're going to pass out tracts. You're going to talk to people about Jesus. You're going to stand up for the sake of the gospel. The, the more you have the heart of God, the further you'll go for the sake of the gospel. Miles don't matter. People's faces don't matter. And let me ask you this, Brother Brown. If we have a couple thousand kids in here, how many of these have the heart of God? How many of these actually have enough of the heart of God? There's no running. Everyone around them knows they're a Christian. Everything else, young people, in your life. We understand one day you're going to stand before God. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to give an account for your Nineveh. God's going to talk to you about your Nineveh. Who did you reach in your Nineveh? And who did you reach in your Nineveh? And we know God told those prophets, I've sent a man, I've made thee a watchman. When I send a word of warning to the wicked, and you don't deliver that mail, their blood is on your hands. Young people, every one of you are going to live an individual life. And I think if books were written today, biographies of Christians today, it would be Jonah 35, Jonah 68, Jonah 972, because the majority are running. Chapter 5 is running. Chapter 6 is silence. Chapter 8 is running. Young people, here's what I'm going to ask you tonight, to this morning. We, we don't need to flood the altars. We just need a few really, really, really serious Amen. young people Amen. that would just come up here Maybe find a friend, maybe find a pastor, maybe find a leader and say, I want the heart of God. And if I have the heart of God, my life will be about being a bold witness for the sake of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray this morning. God, you'd help a few here determine chapter 2 and chapter 3 weren't pretty, but chapter 5 is going to be totally different. Chapter 1, I was not doing what God has asked me to do. I've lived a privileged life, but I have not surrendered and done what God has told me to do. May a few here today say, I'm going to write chapter 5 and chapter 6 with the heart of God in my heart. In Jesus' name.